0: Welcome to Further Africa's Last Week, our weekly news roundup of the most read news on furtherafrica.com. I'm Rafael Carvalho, and I'm joined by Emmanuel Chilampuma. Hi, Emmanuel. How are you doing today? I'm good. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Thank you. Looking forward to discussing the news for this week. Before that, I would like to remember our listeners that you can email us on lastweek at furtherafrica.com. Uh, we are open to suggestions and also would like to know what you think of this podcast so far. Have we been delivering the best of African development in a concise and entertaining manner? Do tell us! The news we are discussing today pertain to the week of September 6 to September 12. The links to the news articles will be as usual in the podcast description. Now then, Let's move on to our top five. So our fifth most red news for this week is about Africa's energy sector. Emmanuel, energy is probably the topic of discussion we have more often touched upon In our conversations here on the podcast. Most countries in sub-Saharan Africa lack proper electricity infrastructure, still rely on energy imports to complement their electricity supply. In addition, African countries have traditionally prioritized to export their natural resources, a trend that has been weakened by the commodities crisis a few years back and now the pandemic also affecting commodity prices. This brings us to a possible opportunity of changing the focus from the export model I just mentioned to a more diversified strategy, which must be less reliant on a single commodity. Uh, As of late, we have reported several new developments in the energy sector with a strong push for LNG, but also renewables such as hydrogen, wind and solar. So the question is, where is the investment going to come from? or rather where should it ideally come from foreign investors, development, finance institutions, governments? Uh, What do you think, Emmanuel? Well, I mean, um, like you said, we have actually seen um, the growth or an
1: interest in the African energy sector, um, considering that, um, you know, the continent has often relied on, you know, the export market um, in order to actually um, have any electricity or any um, power um, within the con- um, within the continent. But then obviously we were also seeing that um, some of these um, energy providers um, were actually not able to satisfy the, 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 the demand on the continent. And this is how we've ended up with um, power shortages um, on the continent for over some time now. Yep. And, um, you know, I think moving forward... Like like you said, um, we have actually seen that there has been a number of um, projects, um, you know, focusing on actually trying to revive the energy sector on the continent. Um, So, you know, a a good example would be the um, most of the the solar projects um, within um, East Africa, uh, where we've actually seen a number of companies taking advantage of the Problem or the challenges that the local communities are facing and actually trying to improve the local lives. And then again, you know, moving on to um, Southern Africa, particularly right. Mozambique, where we've actually seen uh, the development of um, LNG projects. Again, you know, if um, these um, resources are utilised wisely, we might actually be able to actually see the continent, um, you know, moving away from, you know, the sort of um, traditional methods or the, the traditional model, which was to actually export. Um, and, you know, we've also seen, um, um, you know, people like Akon actually, who have actually have been promoting um, solar energy um, all over Africa. They've, uh, I think he has actually managed to work on a number of projects um, in South, uh, not in Southern Africa, sorry, in Africa where, um, you know, he wants to actually um, light up Africa and in order for us to try to eradicate some of these challenges that we face.
0: Perfect, Emmanuel. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned Acon, actually, because I was just reading about him the other day and his plans to construct Acon City, his $6 billion project, which will run on his own form of cryptocurrency called A coin. So the man has vision and apparently a good sense of humor too. Moving on. Our fourth most red news is about the mining sector and the many new challenges it faces. In this article by our media partner Botswana Unplugged, they share the insights of John Lewis, who is the Managing Director of Agreco Africa. In it, Mr. Lewis notes that mining has several hurdles to overcome. First and foremost is the safety and the well-being of its workers. Secondly, and in line with what we have just talked about, Emmanuel, is uh, energy supply, as it's still very common in many African countries to experience drops in power, Uh, affecting productivity and also endangering workers. A more robust and stable power supply is of utmost importance, however, it comes with a cost, he argues, and in his opinion, the mining sector does not want to spend more money. Uh, Alright, Emmanuel, so I have touched upon the problems, but the article offers solutions and a favorable outlook moving forward. Would you please share with us your reading on how to tackle these issues and make mining in Africa more reliable and productive? Yeah, sure. Um,
1: you know, I mean, I I, I feel that um, you know the mining industry has pretty much um, contributed heavily to the or to most African economies. Um, but like you said, you know, there has been a lot of um, issues. Um, considering that, um, like we were discussing the the power issues or the energy issues um, and then you also find that um you know the safety of workers um again this is something that also needs to be addressed um, yep. and then you know as the as the world is now uh being conscious about the environment um again you know mining has often had a, a very bad reputation um, when it comes to sustaining the um, the environment so again, you know, this is something that um, obviously needs to be looked into as to how um, mining, not only does mining become more productive, but also how can we actually make sure that, you know, the um, the mining sites are actually, um, you know, sustainable, not only for the environment, but also for the local community. So, you know, um we then also have to now consider things such as um, technology um, in order to obviously combat um, some of these issues um, that are faced um, by the, the mining sector in Africa. And, you know, I, I, I often believe that um, it does, in order for the mining sector to really develop a positive image um, there needs to be um, more support from the government as well as more support um, from the uh, private sector, with obviously participation as well from the um, non-governmental organisations. Um, you know, I feel like that is the only way we can actually then, um, you know, move the the, the, the sector forward um, and also be able to share ideas with uh, different stakeholders who often obviously have um different ideas on how to improve the mining sector, but it will continue to become um, to be one of the most profitable sectors um, on the continent, but it's just a matter of actually making sure that um, you know uh, people's safety are put into consideration as well as the environment in order to obviously um, create an industry which will be sustainable um, in the future
0: Perfect Emmanuel. And uh, yes, just like you said, and also Mr. Lewis points that out in his article, this would not be the first uh, crisis that the mining sector has to face. So the sector itself has the ability to overcome such obstacles. And yet another thing that he raises in this article is how complex mining has become. Because it's getting deeper and increasingly remote so he says that many mines are now based in rural areas with limited infrastructure as you would imagine so that makes working conditions very difficult but like we have been reporting all along some may see an obstacle and others may see an opportunity Okay, so the third most-read news is about one of the sectors most affected by the pandemic. The aviation sector and African airline companies are no exception, except there is one standout exception in the form of Ethiopian Airlines. Uh, Despite the pandemic, Ethiopian has managed to weather the storm without bailouts from the government and with no reductions to their employees' pay. The solution they found was to shift focus to cargo transport, a move that did not bring them profit, true, but helped cushion the blow dealt by the global lockdown. Uh, So back to the news then, it reports that Ethiopian Airlines might be interested in taking part in the ongoing business rescue plan of South African Airways, uh, a subject we have already discussed a couple of times in the podcast, Emmanuel. So what's your take here?
1: Well I mean, you know, Ethiopian Airways um has now become I'd probably say the number one um career in um in Africa. Oh yeah, no, um, no doubt. Yes, you know, and you know, if we actually look at how they've conducted their business um over the years, uh, we can see that, you know, they have actually become very profitable. Um they have actually offered um solutions to destinations that other airlines really wouldn't cover um all over africa so you know they've obviously become the they've they've obviously now dominated the market and you know uh, i think their involvement with um south african airways could actually help south african airways considering that you know south african airways hasn't obviously made a profit um since 2011 and exactly. um if we actually then look into how the government intends to rescue um, the the airline itself, again, you know, nothing has actually been made very clear as to what you know will happen next. So I feel that you know Ethiopian's, um, Ethiopian Airways' Airways's um, involvement in this could actually help um, South African Airways to come out of this crisis, um, considering that you know Ethiopian Airways. They've put, um, you know, measures in place to ensure that, you know, they continue to dominate um, that industry in the African market.
0: So our second most red news is an update on last week's number one news, which was Mozambique's government announcing the start of its second phase of more relaxed COVID-19 restrictions. Uh, This time, the government has announced the country is no longer under state of emergency. President Filipe Nyusi was quoted as saying, "...we are proud of the measures we have taken that have allowed the spread of the disease to be contained." Unquote. Uh, Emmanuel, the dilemma we have brought up last week remains here. Is it, is it safe enough to reinstate economic activities? Uh, I don't mean just for Mozambique, but this has become a point of contention recently as each country seems to have found its very own formula to assess whether the risk of a new contagion is worth taking in favor of breathing new life into an ailing economy. Uh, In President Neuzi's opinion, it is now time to get back to business. Uh, How about you, Emmanuel? What do you think? I mean, you know, um, if we look at Mozambique's um, situation in
1: regards to covid um, they were not as affected as many other African countries. Um, you know, it, I, I agree that uh, maybe it is actually time um, to resume the economic um, activities in the country. Uh, but like we <laughs> me said too, for the record. Yes, me too. Yes. Um, you know, like we said last time, um, we have to make sure that the government implements um, necessary measures... Um, to avoid the spread or the rise of um, cases um, in the near future. And, you know, again, you know, um, the idea of allowing international flights um, could be good, but then at the same time, you know, this could then um, create issues if um, the necessary measures um, are not taken. So I I would say, you know, it is a good idea to actually get the economy running again, but um, you know it wouldn't make sense to start running the economy without making sure that um, you know safety measure, um, safety measures are put in place.
0: I totally agree, Emmanuel. It's always very important to be positive and to be hopeful, but you must make sure you do not make the same mistakes as some European countries have made in what appears to be this second wave of coronavirus cases surge yes like you said i believe mozambique is on the right track here finally our most read news for this week is about lng developments in tanzania a consortium led by royal dutch shell and equinor is approaching its fid Uh, says the managing director of Tanzania Petroleum Development Corporation, Dr. James Matarachio. He said progress has been made as land acquisition has been completed after compensation has been handed to all affected villagers in the region of the construction site. Uh, So Emmanuel, yet another country in southern Africa betting on LNG in this point of transition into a new era of energy security for Africa despite the troubled times we have been facing, of course, which meant uh, lower global energy demand in a current oversupply of LNG in the market. Uh, what is your opinion here, Emmanuel? Well, you know, um, like we said earlier, um, the
1: energy sector um, in Africa is or has been growing, And, you know, the demand for um, LNG um, globally, anyway, um, is also growing, considering that people are now trying to move away from um, um, the traditional energy that we're all familiar with. But then again, you know, um, there has been discussions about the damages um, that traditional energy has um, to the environment. So we're now finding that, obviously, um, LNG is much cleaner. Yeah, um, We're now finding that, um, you know, um, this is now becoming the main point of interest um, in terms of the energy sector, whether it's um, in Africa or um, globally. So, you know, um, again, you know, something like this or these type of developments um, will often have um, positive outcomes if, they are managed um, properly, Um, you know, and that would obviously mean that um, whatever revenue is generated from these projects um, is also shared with the local um, communities. So that could be through um, job creation or community engagement um, projects um, that will actually enable um, not only those companies involved in these projects to grow, but also for the local communities to actually gain um, from or to actually benefit um from these projects so i i, I um I believe that um, you know there is hope um, in terms of these LNG projects but then it's also how the government or the government of um, tanzania decides to actually uh, deal with the local communities to make sure that it's not only beneficial for the companies involved, but also for the local communities.
0: Perfect. It's always great to see development being supported by sustainable development goals. And more and more, you're seeing corporations which are environmentally conscious of their impact, be it socially or environmentally. And the news here reflects that corporations are indeed looking to offset their carbon footprints. And they're pursuing cleaner energy sources to become part of their energy mix. And I believe that does it for this eighth episode of Further Africa's last week. First of all, I would like to thank you, Emmanuel, for your time here with me today.
1: Thank you, Rafael. And uh, thank you to all the listeners.
0: Yes, that's right. A big thank you to our listeners who have been very supportive and appreciative of what we are trying to achieve here, which is to bring African development news to the world in a vibrant and positive narrative about the African continent. In that sense, please keep sharing, subscribing, reviewing and rating our podcast so that we can reach more and more people and keep doing what we do. I'm Rafael Carvalho, now signing off, Until next time.